0: LESSON 1 FOR DECEMBER 29 THROUGH TO JANUARY 4 THE GOSPEL FROM PATMOS Before we start this week's lesson, however, let's read the introduction in the lesson pamphlet by the author of the lessons. He titles it, Good News from Patmos. Almost two millennia ago, the Apostle John was exiled on a small rocky island in the Aegean Sea because of his faithful witness to the Gospel. The aged apostle endured all the hardships of Roman imprisonment. On one particular Sabbath, he had a special visit from Jesus Christ, who came to encourage his servant in his suffering. In a series of visions, Jesus showed him the panoramic history of the church and what God's people would experience as they waited for their Lord's return. What John had seen in vision, he faithfully recorded in a scroll that he titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation 1, verse 1. The book that he wrote reveals Jesus' work in heaven and on earth since his ascension and what he will do when he returns. It was intended to assure Christians through the ages of Christ's presence and to sustain them as they experience the trials of daily life amid a fallen world immersed in the great controversy. This quarter we will delve into this book. In broad brushstrokes we will focus on the book's major parts and themes. The idea is to become familiar with the book's key themes and to see that it, indeed, reveals Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his high priestly ministry in behalf of his people. As we do so, We will proceed in the following ways one our study of revelation is based on the biblical concept of the inspiration of the bible while the messages of the book came from god the language in which they were communicated is human noting language and images derived from the history of god's people in the old testament we will discover how john communicated those messages two a careful reading of revelation's prophecies like those of Daniel, shows that the historicist method of prophetic interpretation is the correct way to understand the prophecy's intended fulfilment, because they follow the flow of history from the prophet's time to the end of the world. This method illustrates how we should make every effort to derive meaning from the text itself, rather than imposing a predetermined interpretation upon it. 3 the organizational structure of revelation is in many ways crucial for the responsible application of the book's prophecies our analysis of revelation will be based on the fourfold structure of the book a revelation chapter 1 verse 1 to chapter 3 verse 22 employs the situation of the churches of john's day to prophetically address the situation of the church in different periods of history B. Revelation 4 verse 1 to 11 verse 19 repeats or recapitulates and builds on this history of the church using apocalyptic symbols that add progressively more detail. C. Revelation 12 verse 1 to 14 verse 20 is the thematic centre of the book and spans the history of the great controversy from before the time of Jesus to the second advent d. Revelation 15, verse 1 to twenty two twenty one focuses exclusively on the end time. 4. A meaningful interpretation of Revelation's prophecies must be Christ-centred. The entire book was written from the perspective of Christ. It is only through Christ that the symbols and images of Revelation receive their ultimate meaning and significance. Revelation promises blessings to those who read or listen to its words, and who heed and keep the admonitions found therein. From Testimonies to the Ministers and Gospel Workers, page 113, we read, The book of Revelation opens with an injunction to us to understand the instruction it contains. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy— God declares, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. When we, as a people, understand what this book means to us, there will be seen among us a great revival. We do not understand fully the lessons that it teaches, notwithstanding the injunction given us to search and study it. End of quote. As we analyse this book, we invite you to discover for yourselves the things that you need to hear and heed as we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our author this week is Professor Ranko Stefanovic, PhD, who was a professor of New Testament in the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary at Andrews University. His specialty is the Book of Revelation. Sabbath afternoon, December 29. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to look at a new book, an old book, the book of Revelation, as we come to study it, as we come to find Jesus in it, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us. Help us find the things that we need for our own personal lives and for our friends around us. We pray that as we study this quarter in this amazing book, that your Spirit will not only guide us, but bless us. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Let's read that again, Revelation 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The prophecies of Revelation were revealed in vision to the Apostle John more than 19 centuries ago during his exile on a small rocky island known as Patmos in the Aegean Sea. We read in Revelation 1.9, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1 verse 3 pronounces a blessing on those who read the book and hear and obey the teachings. That's our memory verse for this week. But we're going to compare that with Luke chapter 6 verses 47 and 48. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. This verse refers to the congregation assembled in the church to hear the messages. However, they are blessed not only because they read or listen— but also because they obey the words of the book as it says in revelation 22 7 behold i am coming quickly blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book the prophecies of revelation are an expression of god's care for his people they point us to the shortness and fragility of this life to salvation in jesus and his work as our heavenly high priest and king and to our calling to spread the gospel. Biblical prophecies are like a lamp shining in a dark place, as it says in Second Peter 1 verse 19, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. They are intended to provide guidance for our life today and hope for our future. We will need this prophetic guide until the coming of Christ and the establishment of God's everlasting kingdom. Sunday, December 30, the title of the book. Question, read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. What is the significance of the full title of the book? What does the title teach us in terms of whom the book is really about? Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant john who bore witness to the word of god and to the testimony of jesus christ to all things that he saw revelation chapter 1 verse 1 states the title of the book as the revelation of jesus christ the word revelation comes from the greek word apocalypse which means uncovering or unveiling. The word is apocalypse. The apocalypse is an unveiling of Jesus Christ. It is both from Jesus and about him. While it came from God through Jesus Christ in Revelation 22.16, the book testifies that Jesus also is the focus of its contents. Revelation 22.16 reads, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The Apocalypse is his self-revelation to his people and an expression of his care for them. Jesus is the central figure of Revelation. The book begins with him in Revelation 1, 5-8 and concludes with him in Revelation 2216 16-18, Revelation 5 Sorry, Revelation 1, verses 5-8 to reads, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, and who was, and who is to come. The Almighty and Revelation 22, 12-16 reads, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Beginning and the End, the First and the Last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city, but outside are dogs, and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Ellen White writes in Testimonies to Ministers and Gospel Workers, page 118, Let Daniel speak, let the Revelation speak, and tell what is truth. But whatever phase of the subject is presented, uplift Jesus as the centre of all hope, the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. Also, the Jesus of the Apocalypse is the Jesus of the four Gospels. Revelation continues the description of Jesus and his work of salvation on behalf of his people as first depicted in the Gospels. The book of Revelation focuses on different aspects of his existence and ministry. Essentially, it begins where the Gospels end, with Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. Together with the epistle to the Hebrews, Revelation emphasizes Jesus' heavenly ministry. It shows that after his ascension, Jesus was inaugurated into his royal and priestly ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. Without Revelation or Hebrews, our knowledge of Christ's high priestly ministry in heaven in behalf of his people would be very limited. And yet, Besides Hebrews, the book of Revelation provides us with a unique look into the ministry of Jesus Christ in our behalf. And so, to finish today, read John chapter 14, verses 1 through to 3. How does the very broad promise here help us better understand what Jesus is doing for us in heaven right now? What hope can we draw from this wonderful promise? John 14, beginning at verse 1. Monday, December 31, The Purpose of the Book Revelation one also tells us that the purpose of the book is to show future events, starting from the time when the book itself was written, as we read in Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Anyone familiar with Revelation will notice that the prediction of events, whether those already fulfilled, at least from our perspective today, or those events still future, again from our perspective today, occupies most of the book's content. The primary purpose of biblical prophecies is to assure us that no matter what the future holds, God is in control. Revelation does just that it assures us that Jesus Christ is with his people throughout this world's history and its alarming final events consequently revelation's prophecies have two practical purposes to teach us how to live today and to prepare us for the future question read deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 how does this text help us understand why some things are not revealed to us? According to this text, what is the purpose of the things that are revealed to us? That is, why are we told them? And we'll also look at Revelation 22, verse 7. But first of all, Deuteronomy twenty-nine twenty-nine. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And Revelation 22 verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelation's end-time prophecies are not revealed to satisfy our obsessive curiosity about the future the book reveals only those aspects of the future important for us to know. They are disclosed to impress upon us the seriousness of what will happen so that we will realise our dependence on God and in that dependence obey Him. For centuries, speculation and even more sensationalism has accompanied so much of the teaching regarding end-time events. Fortunes have been made by those who, predicting the immediate end, have scared people into giving money to their ministry because, well, the end was near. Each time, though, the end did not come, and people were left disillusioned and discouraged. As with all of the good things God has given us, prophecy can be misused and misinterpreted as well and so to finish the day read john 14:29 and now i have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass you may believe what crucially important principle for the purpose of prophecy can we find here in this verse Tuesday, January one, the symbolic language of Revelation. Question: Read Revelation thirteen one, Daniel seven one to three, and Ezekiel one one to fourteen. What is the one thing that all these visions have in common? Revelation thirteen verse one. Then I stood at the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. And Revelation 7 verse 13, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And Ezekiel 1, verses 1 to 14. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Cheba, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzah, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chibar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiated out of its midst like the colour of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also, From within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the colour of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and Each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies, and each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Revelation 1 1 further states, And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Here we find a very important word in the book. The word signified is a translation of the Greek word semino, meaning to show by symbolic signs. This word is used in the Greek translation of the New Testament, the Septuagint, in which Daniel explains to King Nebuchadnezzar that by the statue made of gold, silver, bronze and iron, God signifies to the king what will take place in the future, Daniel 2.45. By employing the same word, John tells us that the scenes and events of Revelation were shown to him in vision in symbolic presentations. Guided by the Holy Spirit, John faithfully recorded these symbolic presentations as he had seen them in the visions, as we read in Revelation 1-2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Thus, for the most part, the language used to describe Revelation's prophecies must not be interpreted literally. As a rule, the reading of the Bible, in general, presupposes a literal understanding of the text, unless the text points to intended symbolism. But, when we read Revelation, unless the text points to a literal meaning, we need to interpret it symbolically. While the scenes and events predicted are real they usually were expressed in symbolic language. Keeping in mind the largely symbolic character of Revelation will safeguard us against distorting the prophetic message. In trying to determine the meaning of the symbols used in the books, we must be careful not to impose on the text a meaning that comes out of human imagination or the current meanings of those symbols in our culture. Instead we must go to the Bible and to the symbols found in its pages in order to understand the symbols in the book of Revelation. In fact, in trying to unlock the meaning of the symbols in Revelation, we must remember that most of them were drawn from the Old Testament. By portraying the future in the language of the past, God wanted to impress upon our minds that His acts of salvation in the future will be very much like his acts of salvation in the past. What he did for his people in the past, he will do for them again in the future. In endeavouring to decode the symbols and images of Revelation, we must start by paying attention to the Old Testament. Wednesday, January 2, The Godhead Revelation begins with a greeting similar to the one found in Paul's letters the book was sent ostensibly as a letter to the seven churches in asia minor in john's day as you read in revelation 1 verse 11 saying i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last and what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in asia to ephesus to smyrna to pergamos to Thyatira, to sardis to philadelphia and to laodicea however Revelation was not written for them only, but for all generations of Christians throughout history. Question. Read Revelation 1, verses 4 and 5, and Romans 1, verse 7. What common greeting is found in both texts, and from whom is the greeting given? Revelation 1, verses 4 and 5. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia... "'Grace to you, and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, "'and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, "'and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, "'and the ruler over the kings of the earth, "'to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood.'" And Romans 1 and verse 7. "'To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints,' Grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Both texts offer an epistolary greeting, Grace and Peace to you. This phrase consists of the Greek greeting charis, grace, and the Hebrew greeting shalom, peace, or well-being. As we can see from these texts, the givers of grace and peace are the three persons of the Godhead. God the Father is identified as the One who is, and who was, and who is to come. Revelation 1 verse 8 and Revelation 4 verse 8 both do this. Let's have a look at those. Revelation 1 verse 8 reads, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Beginning and the End, says the Lord, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, and Revelation 4 verse 8 reads, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, and is, and is to come. This designation refers to the divine name Yahweh. I am who I am of Exodus chapter three verse fourteen referring to God's eternal existence the Holy Spirit is referred to as the seven spirits which we see in Revelation 4 verse 5, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And Revelation 5 verse 6, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. In Scripture, seven is a number of fullness. The seven spirits means the Holy Spirit is active in all seven churches. This image refers to the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit and His constant work among God's people through history, enabling them to fulfill their calling. Jesus Christ is identified by three titles— the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth in Revelation 1 verse 5. They refer to his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his reign in heaven. Then John states what Jesus has done in verses 5 and 6. He loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. In the original Greek, He loved us refers to Christ's ongoing love, which embraces the past, the present, and the future. The one who loves us has released us from our sins by his blood. In the Greek, the verb released refers to a completed act in the past. When Jesus died on the cross, he provided a perfect atonement for our sins. And so to finish today, Ephesians 2, verse 6, and Philippians three twenty describe the redeemed as citizens of heaven who were raised up and made to sit with Jesus in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, verse 6 reads, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Philippians 3, verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. What might these texts mean, and how do we presently enjoy this glorious status in Christ as kings and priests, as it says in Revelation 1 verse 6, while still in this sin-cursed world? How should this answer impact how we live? Thursday, January 3, the keynote of Revelation. The conclusion of the prologue of Revelation points to the true focus of the whole book, the return of Jesus in power and glory. Christ's promise to come again is reiterated three times in the conclusion of the book. In Revelation 22, verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every one according to his work. And verse 20, He who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Question. Read Revelation chapter 1 verses 7 and 8. The wording of this text is derived from several prophetic texts, Daniel seven thirteen and 14, Zechariah twelve ten, and Matthew 24, verse 30. What do these texts tell us about the certainty of the second coming? First of all, Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8, Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so... Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. And Zechariah 12 verse 10, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Revelation, the second coming of Christ is the end point towards which history moves. The second coming will mark the conclusion of this world's history and the beginning of God's eternal kingdom— as well as freedom from all evil, anguish, pain, and death. Like the rest of the New Testament, Revelation seven points to the literal, visible, and personal coming of Christ in majesty and glory. Every human being alive on the earth at the time, as well as those who pierced him, will witness his coming. These words point to a special resurrection of certain people right before the return of Christ, including those who crucified Him. While Jesus will, with His coming, bring deliverance to those people waiting for Him, He will bring judgment to those inhabitants living on the earth who have spurned His mercy and love. The certainty of Christ's coming is affirmed with the words, Even so... Amen in verse one of chapter in verse seven of chapter one, the words even so are a translation of the Greek word nigh, and amen is a Hebrew affirmative. Together, these two words express certainty. They also conclude the book in two similar affirmations, as we read in Revelation twenty-two and verse twenty. He who testifies to these things says. "'Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus.'" Ellen White writes in the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, November eleventh, 1913, "'More than eighteen hundred years have passed since the Saviour gave the promise of His coming. Throughout the centuries, His words have filled with courage the hearts of His faithful ones. The promise has not yet been fulfilled.'" The life-giver's voice has not yet called the sleeping saints from their graves, but none the less sure is the word that has been spoken. In his own time, God will fulfil his word. Shall any become weary now? Shall we lose our hold on faith when we are so near the eternal world? Shall any say, The city is a great way off? No, no, a little longer, and we shall see the King in his beauty." A little longer, and he will wipe all tears from our eyes. A little longer, and he will present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And so to finish today, a promise is only as strong as the integrity of the person giving it and his or her ability to fulfil it. How does the fact that the promise of the second coming has been given by God, who has kept all his promises in the past, provide you with assurance that Christ will return as he has promised? Friday, the 4th of January. From the book, the Acts of the Apostles, page 583 to 584, we read, This revelation was given for the guidance and comfort of the Church throughout the Christian dispensation. A revelation is something revealed. The Lord Himself revealed to His servants the mysteries contained in this book, and He designs that they shall be open to the study of all. Its truths are addressed to those living in the last days of this earth's history, as well as to those living in the days of John. Some of the scenes depicted in this prophecy are in the past, some are now taking place, some bring to view the close of the great conflict between the powers of darkness and the Prince of Heaven, and some reveal the triumphs and joys of the redeemed on the earth made new. Let none think, because they cannot explain the meaning of every symbol in the Revelation, that it is useless for them to search this book in an effort to know the meaning of the truth it contains. The one who revealed these mysteries to John will give to the diligent searcher for truth a foretaste of heavenly things. Those whose hearts are open to the reception of truth will be enabled to understand its teachings and will be granted the blessing promised to those who, Hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. One, if revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, why does the word apocalypse have a negative meaning today? What does this negativity tell us about the popular perception of revelation among Christians? Why is the word fear often associated with Revelation's prophecies? 2. Think about some of the failed predictions that certain people have made just in the past twenty years regarding end-time events and the second coming of Jesus. Regardless of the hearts or motives, which we can't know anyway, of those individuals who make them, what are the negative results of these failed predictions? How do they make the ones who believed in those predictions feel? How do these failed predictions make Christians in general appear to those on the outside who see their failed predictions? As a people who believe in prophecy and who look for end-time events as waymarks, how do we strike the right balance in how we understand prophecy and how we teach it to others? side story power of a testimony by miguel Manuel Mefigula i was born into a sunday keeping family in melange a town located just two miles or three kilometers from mozambique's border with malawi my introduction to the seventh day Adventist venice church came through a girl named adelina she was 16 and in the seventh grade and she asked me for help with her homework I was twenty-one and in the tenth grade after I helped her she started talking about the Adventist church she told me about the Sabbath and explained that God set aside Saturday not Sunday as the day of worship later Adelina presented me with a Bible she had underlined the fourth commandment in Exodus twenty verse eight and ezekiel twenty twenty which says hallow my Sabbaths and they will be a sign between me and you on one page of the Bible she wrote Go read Mark 2:27 and 28. I turned to Mark and read Jesus' words, "The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the son of man is also lord of the Sabbath." When I read this, I realized that I had been observing the wrong day of the week. I decided to go to church with Adelina to learn more, and soon I was worshiping on Saturday. This decision caused problems at my Sunday church, where I had been serving as youth director. The church's pastor went to my father, and my father ordered me to return to my former church. When I refused, my father declared, If you can't obey your parents, then you can't live with them. He kicked me out of the house. I told Adelina's parents what had happened, and they gave me a place to live until I finished high school. I was baptised two years later. God helped me to graduate from high school and college and to get hired as a chemistry teacher at the public high school in Melunge. Later, I married Adelina, the girl who introduced me to the Sabbath. Couldn't we see that coming? God has been able to use my personal testimony in amazing ways. I've shared it with the young people from my former Sunday church and two have become Adventists. I also told my parents, and they were baptised. I tell everyone, trust in the Lord daily. Nothing is impossible for Him. Part of this quarter's 13th Sabbath offering will help open the first Seventh-day Adventist elementary school in Miguel's hometown of Melange. Thank you for your mission offering.